My God, what a Thanksgiving day across the Big East for the most part. I mean, a couple losses across men's and women's, only one women's game, unfortunately, in L. But on the men's side, oh my God, what a day. What did we see? Well, I mean, just first some synopses or synopsises. I don't, I don't know what the correct plural is. You had a four and one day that included a buzzer beater, a shootout win, and an absolute drubbing of the supposed home team. Recapping all that and more here on a Black Friday edition of the Igloo. Still in Reading, PA. Let me just try to get comfortable here. As I'm indoors, probably shouldn't be wearing a jacket. Looking like an idiot. But, whatever. This is like... it's How do I say this? It's, it's a Feast Week marathon. I know I have a March marathon, but I guess... You want to call it a Feast Week marathon? Okay, sure. I'll go with it. So, let's talk about... Well... Let's talk about one of the blemishes uh, happened on the Big East women's side. And it started with uh, Seton Hall Thanksgiving Day at the Paradise Jam taking on a 1-3 VCU team. I mean, I don't know what's going on with the Seton Hall team, but, I mean, they started off up three after one, but... They shot themselves in the foot in the second quarter. They got down. They got to score 21-9 in the second to go down 9. 35-26 at halftime. Seton Hall, they scratched and clawed their way to try to come back. But in the end, VCU ends up escaping with a win, 62-61. And leading the way for VCU, I mean, it was a well-balanced effort for the most part. And their leading scorer was Sarah Tay Biasu with 14 points, 5 of 10 shooting, and 1 for 3 from behind the arc. They got 11 from Mariana Asari, another Canadian, as Tay Biasu is from Quebec, and Asari from Ontario. She was also 5 for 10 from the field, but had 11 points. They got 10 off the bench and 8 rebounds in 30 minutes from Samantha Robinson, another Canadian from Ontario as well. 7 from Jennifer Eze, or Eze from Nigeria. I mean, a heavy international presence on this Rams team. They also got 8 points from Chloe Bloom from Australia. In 14 minutes, 4 for 6 from the floor. In 8 minutes, they got 2 points from Lithuania native Elsie Motokati. Motokati. Shit. Katie Tay. I'm trying my best. And they also got 6 points from Janika Griffith-Wallace, another Canadian. Although she was 2 for 11 from the floor and 1 for 5 from deep. Then they also had two additional players off the bench with two points each, which were Adabukala Akamolafe. That's the best thing. I mean, she's not she's from the U.S. from El Paso, and then Anisa Anisia Harris 
also had two points, nine minutes also from the U.S. But Seton Hall didn't really shoot well from the floor, just 39% compared to 48% from VCU. The Rams were just 3 for 13 from 3, Seton Hall 5 for 15. But, and here's the thing, VCU won this game despite turning it over 22 times. And they only got six free throws in the whole game. They made five of them. Seton Hall was 10 to 14, which still ain't bad. But inside the arc, I mean, VCU was getting their looks and making them. They were 24 for 43 inside the arc, whereas Seton Hall was 18 of 44. Other So, individually, Lauren Park Lane was 16 points and 7 assists. Just 4 for 12 from the floor, though. The way I see it, I think teams doing their scouting reports and doing a good job of scouting LPL and preparing for her. And I think it's kind of making her struggle a little bit. So I think for the rest of the tournament, I think she's got to figure out how to handle it better. I mean, 16 points is still a good game, but it's more so now. The other players got to step up. I mean, Sydney Cooks and Shalyn Hagens each had 14 Hagens was 6 of 10 from the floor, 2 for 4 from deep. Cooks was also 2 for 4 from deep, 6 of 14 from the floor. 5 rebounds for Cooks, 7 for Hagens. 6 points for Maya Bembry, who has been in an early season slump so far. Rough day, though, for Azana Baines, who was 0 for 8 from the floor and held scoreless in 22 minutes. Then off the bench, I mean, Jayla Jordan had 7 points. In 10 minutes, 3 of 6 from the floor, knocked down, knocked well, 1 for 3 from deep. And then just 2 points each from Shaylin Pinckney, who got those points at the free throw line. And then Alexia Alesh, with 2 points as well, only played 4 minutes. Amari Wright played 18 minutes, didn't score. And Kay Satterfield limited to just 3 minutes. I mean, here I was thinking she was going to make a monumental difference after scoring 12 points in the opener against St. Peter's, but she's only scored three total points since then. So rough way for Seton Hall to lose their opener in the Bahamas. In the Virgin Islands, excuse me. And... They really got to shake the cobwebs going into this game today against Wisconsin. And then they got to play Georgia to close it out. By the way, live scoring updates as I'm looking at them now. Uh, DePaul was up eight at the break against number 14, Maryland in Fort Myers. And then Mississippi State was really handling Georgetown well. Up, They're up 15 at halftime in Puerto Rico. And then, by the way, tipping off soon, well, tipping off now, Creighton Xavier, Big East, first Big East Conference game on either side, Black Friday women's hoops, first Big East Conference game of the year. Love it. So, Thanksgiving Day, my goodness gracious. Pretty good day for the Big East all around, I would say. We start in Portland. Phil Knight. Invitational here, part of the PK-85. Villanova taking on Iowa State. Iowa State looked pretty, 
you know, Villanova got off to a good start. Iowa State went on a run. And all of a sudden, it was tied at the break. It was 34-all, and then Iowa State looked like they were going to pull away in the second half. And kind of like the Michigan State game, Villanova just wouldn't go away. And this time, they actually force overtime. So, with two minutes left, Iowa State was up Eight. 65-57. So that was, again, 65-57, 217 to go. And it was 67-60 with 135 to go. Villanova went on a 7-0 run. They got a couple fouls, a couple, a missed free throw, a missed jump shot. But Villanova forced overtime. At 67 alls, Brandon Slater knocked down a pair of free throws to force overtime. And it was a really tough overtime for Nova. I mean, Caleb Grill came out, knocked down a three. 25 seconds into the period to make it 70-67. And Villanova would not lead in this overtime at all. Caleb Daniels knocked down a three with two seconds left. but could not commit a foul get get Iowa State to the free um, get get Iowa State to the free throw line nor force a turnover Iowa State remains unbeaten and drops Villanova to 2 and 3 with an 81-79 overtime win and leading the way off the bench with 23 Gabe Kalsher 8 of 19 from the floor 5 of 15 from deep 17 for the St. Bonaventure transfer Osin Osini Five boards, three assists, eight of ten from the floor, and had a couple blocked shots. Jaron Holmes, who was their leading scorer coming into this game, 12 points, nine dimes, and five rebounds. They also happened to get 10 off, 10 off the bench from Robert Jones, the senior, who was four for seven from the floor in 20 minutes. By the way, Kalsher played 35 minutes. He did foul out. And then... Caleb Grill, only five points, but that three put Villanova, put Iowa State ahead for good 25 seconds into overtime. And then they also got six points from Aljaz Kuntz. All of his points came from behind the arc where he was two for five, six boards. And then four points from Tamman Lipsy. As for Villanova, Caleb Daniels, 25 points, 6 of 12 from the floor, 3 for 7 from deep, 7 boards, 7 assists. Eric Dixon, looking like a sleeper, all-Big East guy. And he, he's got a very good chance that he could make the all-Big East team. 21 points, 10 boards for the native of Willow Grove, PA, the junior. 8 of 16 from the floor, 4 of 9 from deep. Slater with... 14 points, 7 boards, 4 assists, 3 of 10 from the floor, 2 for 6 from deep. Jordan Longino at 7 points. Chris Argidiakono, 6 points, 5 assists, 2 of 8 from the floor, 2 for 7 from behind the arc. And then they got 3 points each off the bench from Brendan Housen and Angelo Brizzy. 
Brizzy played 16 minutes in, the, in this game. Housen got a three-pointer. He only played two minutes. And then Trey Patterson and Mark Armstrong each played less than 10. Patterson, six minutes. Armstrong, seven. Important numbers. Iowa State still wins despite shooting under 30% from deep. Eight for 28. Villanova's 13 for 36. But inside the arc, Iowa State was pretty pretty solid. At 22 of 38. Pretty good shooting percentage. So Villanova, 36 of their 57 shots were from behind the arc, where they were 13 of 36. And 40% from the field, that's 10 of 21 inside the arc. So just a hair under 50%. Also, Nova turned it over 18 times in this one. I mean, Iowa State was no better with 16, but barely better with 16. Nova, 20 for 25 from the charity stripe. Iowa State 13 for 15. So Villanova, with that loss, they now get to play in the consolation round against Portland today, as I personally expected. Iowa State moves on to take on number one North Carolina, who struggled with Portland. On the other side of the Phil Knight tournament at Veterans Memorial Coliseum, Xavier taking on Florida in a rematch of last year's NIT second round. I mean, this game is a track meet. Not a lot of defense. Incredible offense. Xavier, I mean, this was a back-and-forth game, but Xavier got enough separation in the second half where they were able to pull away, led led by as many as 11, and Xavier with a pretty good win. Not It's not an amazing win, considering Florida's only loss before that was against Florida Atlantic. But Xavier now 4-1, and one, and now they get an opportunity to play Duke today with a 90-83 win, leading the way for the Muskies. Drop it, well, two players each with 22. That was Colby Jones, who was 8 of 12 from the floor and 4 for 5 from deep, 5 boards, 4 assists. And Sule Boom, 5 boards, 6 assists, 7 of 14 from the floor, and one of five from behind the arc. All five starters and double figures for the Musketeers. Jack Nungy with 16 points and nine assists. How about a double-double for Zach Fremantle, who had his nuts felt, as I mentioned on Twitter. 14 points, 11 boards, five of five from the floor, one of one from deep. Again, not that there's anything wrong with that. But as Adam Baum said, that's a very personal foul and then Adam Kunkel had 11 points and five assists five of ten from the floor one of four from deep and then off the bench Desmond Claude with a big three in seven minutes and then they also got a bucket from Deontay Miles Kiki Tandy didn't score in 15 minutes and Jerome Hunter didn't either in four minutes and Xavier was really good from the field over 50 percent overall at Almost 56%. And an even 50% from behind the arc. 10 for 20. And 33 for 59 overall. Also plus 6 on the glass. And then Florida was just not good from the charity stripe. Just 4 for 8. Whereas Xavier was 14 for 20. Leading the way for Florida. It was... The junior, Trey Bonham, 
with 23, which is a game high. 9 of 19 from the field, 2 of 7 from deep. 18 from Will Richard. 7 boards, 7 of 12 from the field, 4 of 8 from deep. A double-double for Colin Castleton, 11 points, 10 boards, 4 assists, 5 of 14 from the floor. How about a dozen off the bench from Riley Kugel, the freshman, 5 of 11 from the floor, 2 for 3 from behind the arc in 19 minutes. 7 from C.J. Felder, who fouled out. 4 points and 6 dimes from St. Bonaventure transfer, and mentioned now 2 of them. Kyle Lofton was 2 for 10 from the floor and 0 for 3 from deep. And then back to the bench, 4 points from Mirian Mirian Jones, who transferred over from Penn State. And then 2 points each from Alex Fudge and Jason Jatoba. And the shooting numbers obviously heavily favored Xavier. Florida just 44% from the floor. 35 of 79, 9 for 27 from deep. So inside the arc, I mean, they took 52 shots and made 26 of them. So it's an even 50% inside the arc. It's not bad, but Xavier just shot the lights out in this one and route to a win. More on Xavier taking on number eight Duke in a bit. Now. Butler, BYU in the consolation round of the battle for Atlantis. I thought BYU was going to win. I mean, was I the most confident in that? Not really, because I thought it was more of a toss-up. But, well, Butler proved me wrong. So, pretty good win for Butler as they win 75-70. to They were up 7 at the break. Biggest lead. I mean, neither team led by double digits. Butler led by as many as 9. BYU's biggest lead was 5. But, I mean, you look at how the game ended. BYU tried their damnedest to make it a game at the end, but Butler holds on. And Jaden Taylor has had a really good tournament so far. He had 20 points, 8 of 13 from the field, 3 of 6 from behind the arc. Four starters and double figures, including Eric Hunter Jr., who was 6 of 9 from the floor and 3 for 3 from deep. And then 14 each from Manny Bates and Seamus Lukosius. Lukosius was 4 for 6 from the floor, made his only 3-point attempt of the game. Bates, 7 for 11. Chuck Harris... Early struggles so far in this tournament, they're pretty obvious. Six points, two of nine from the floor. And then they only had two points off the bench, which came from Pierce Thomas. I mean, that Mata really didn't go to his bench much. All four guys he went to off the bench played less than 10 minutes. And BYU wins this game despite out-rebounding Butler by 12, 39-27. But Butler was really efficient. Nearly 53% from the floor. 7 for 15 from deep, which is just under, right around 47%. That's pretty good. Meanwhile, BYU was just 3 for 20 from deep for 15%. 28 of 67 from the floor. That's right, just under 42%. Leading the way for the Cougars. 
was Fusini Triore, who had 21 points, 12 boards, and 4 assists, 8 of 14 from the floor, 14 from Gideon George, a dozen from Rudy Williams, 3 points each from Jackson and Spencer Johnson from what excuse me from Jackson Robinson and Spencer Johnson I misread that briefly off the bench I mean 17 bench points which is pretty decent Atiki Ali Atiki I I love some of these names I've gotten to read this week he had 6 points and 4 boards in 12 minutes Five points from Noah Waterman in 17 minutes. Four points in 16 minutes from Richie Saunders. And then two points in eight minutes from Dallin Hall. And that, I mean, they also got 13 minutes from Trey Stewart, who did not score in this one. So Butler now on to the fifth place game against the opponent I thought they would get today, but in a different game, NC State. So, I mean, let's talk about the game I was watching the most as an alum. Seton Hall taking on Memphis. Seton Hall got off to a good start. Just like they did against Iowa, but Memphis clawed their way back into it. And they were really in control for a good portion of the second half. And even when Seton Hall went on their runs, when, you know, they Alamir Dawes put them ahead by one, 53-52 on a three with seven minutes left. Memphis didn't relinquish the lead until, well, it, it was Thanksgiving. And the bank just happened to be open for Tyrese Samuel. By the way, Memphis made a couple, multiple mistakes in the final minute. I mean, dare I go over it? You know what? Yeah, let's do that. So, after Tyree Samuel knocked down a couple free throws to make it 69-67 with 47 seconds left, Tyree Samuel blocked a shot with 17 seconds to go. And there was a turnover. Al Dawes slipped over himself. And Elijah McCadden got the steal. There was a foul on Casey and Defo. Personally, I didn't think he fouled him. But the refs called it. Whatever. McCadden goes to the line. Two shots. Misses both of them. Chandler Lawson gets the offensive rebound. And makes a bad pass. Jameer Harris gets the steal. And he was calling for a timeout in the backcourt. The refs don't acknowledge it. They finally get a timeout with two seconds left. And if you don't live under a rock, you know what happens after that. Not the greatest setup on the inbounds play, but Tyree Samuel, little help from the basketball gods, banks in a three, game over, Seton Hall wins 70-69 in the game. Based on like the shot selection, Seton Hall actually wins that game two-thirds of the time. But quite honestly... Given how the second half had gone, Seton Hall probably had no business winning this game. But, yep, they did. And that's what matters. Like, 
there, it's not going to show Seton Hall sh- like didn't deserve to win in the box score. What matters in the box score, Seton Hall wins this game, and now they avoid having to play an inf- a not-so-great opponent in Nebraska. You play a better-quality opponent, which I'll get to in a bit. And Tyree Samuel, that was three of his team-high 14 points. And he would play 22 minutes and grabbed 11 rebounds. Four for six from the floor. Two of two from deep, including that bank shot. And four for four from the free throw line. Off the bench, I mean, this game was chippy too. Dre Davis had 14, uh, 13 points, four of nine from the floor. 10 points from Trey Jackson in 18 minutes. I mean, he's a great offensive asset, but I mean, I'm not going to lie. Him and Tyrese aren't very good on defense. I I just think that goes without saying, but that's the reason why they don't play more minutes because they're not very good on defense. And Shaw's very defense-oriented. If you can't defend, you're not going to see the court as much as you like. I, I think that's fair. Al Dawes and Casey and Defo each had eight points, and Defo two for four from the floor. He started off 0 for four from the free throw line, but at least no, that's not right. I think he started 0 for three from the free throw line, then made his final four, and he played 21 minutes. But I mean, his two blocks, a couple steals, his impact on a game again, it doesn't really pop up in the stat sheet. Dawes, 3-for-9 from the floor, 2-of-5 from deep, had a couple assists as well. Kadari Richmond only played 17 minutes, 5 points, 4 boards, 5 assists, and that, and he assisted on the, the buzzer beater. And then Femi Odukale, 5 assists, just 3 points, 1-of-5 from the floor. And then Tay Davis knocked down a 3 and played 17 minutes in this one. Neither team shot the ball particularly well. Memphis 45%, Seton Hall 41%. But from deep, Memphis 4 for 14, 28.6%. Seton Hall 7 of 24, which percentage-wise barely better at 29. But it's plus 9 overall in points. From the free throw line, again, Memphis missed those two huge free throws and with 9 seconds left or whatever it was. So 19 for 29, 65.5%. Seton Hall was 21 of 30, 70%. And Seton Hall was lucky to not have anyone foul out. And Defo and Jackson each had four fouls. Memphis had two different players foul out, which were DeAndre Williams, who, by the way, his fifth foul should have been a flagrant on Femi Odukale. He straight up yanked his arm. I'm not saying it should have been a two. It should have been at least a one because there was zero play on the ball. He just straight up yanked his arm. And that's just a common foul. Bull fucking shit. Not that it mattered, but you go to the monitor, you check in, and that's what you come up with? Come on. Come on. AJ Desai, Ray Natilli, and Vlad Tadal. Now I understand why they don't get Big East games, because they're they're ass. Granted, I I I I bitch and moan about guys like James Breeding all the time in the Big East. But, Jesus Christ, the second half turned into a ref show. Like, especially with the number of fouls. There were 49 fouls committed in this game. 
Some of them are just ticky tack shit. Like, you call some of the ticky tack stuff, but you can't get a flagrant one right? Come on. Again, not that it mattered, but like, officiate, like, you gotta clean that shit up. No wonder they're in the AEC. It's a poverty conference with poverty officials. And I'm assuming one of them's an AAC ref. There's no way that out of those three, that none of them are primarily AAC refs. Anyways, Kendrick Davis, SMU transfer, was definitely their best player. 22 points, 7 boards, 6 assists, 7 of 14 from the floor, and 1 of 2 from behind the arc. I mean, he was carving their Seton Hall's defense up at, at, at multiple points. Then 19 minutes, although he did foul out, Malcolm Dandridge, 14 points off the bench, 3 for 7 from the floor, and, you know, with his size at 6'9", 260, he was bullying some of the guys down low for Seton Hall. I mean, they also got 8 points from Chandler Lawson and 8 boards. He almost fouled out. He had 4 fouls, 3 or 4 from the floor, 1 for 1 from behind the arc. 8 points also off the bench, though, from Keontae Kennedy. 22 minutes, 3 of 10 from the floor, 1 of 4 from deep. They had they are, Williams with only 4 points, like I mentioned. Alex Lomax with 4 as well. 18 minutes played for Jaden Hardaway. Who, come on, that's got to be Penny's kid. 2 points, 1 of 5 shooting. And then they also got a 3 from Jonathan Lawson. And a bucket for both Kaderichi Akabondu Ehiugu. So they got a bucket from him in eight minutes, and then in 20 minutes, Elijah McCadden with two points. But again, those two huge missed free throws that opened the door. Just enough for Seton Hall. Granted, it wasn't pretty for them to win the game. I mean, bench points made a difference. 29 bench points for Memphis. 32 for Seton Hall. But balance scoring and obviously clutch three-pointer, again, on an ugly sequence for Tyree Samu, gives Seton Hall the win. They move on to the semifinals of the ESPN Events Invitational down at Disney World where LeBron won his Mickey Mouse ring against Oklahoma. And as a Seton Hall alum, it pains me that today I'm going to have to root against good old J.R. Jim Ross. It's Friday. You know what that means. Hopefully a boomer sooner loss. And again, Jim, I'm sorry. If if there's any consolation, I will buy some of your barbecue sauce. I hope you hear this. And I hope we can have a deal. I'm sorry I had to shit on, on Oklahoma on my podcast. But to make up for it, I will buy some of your barbecue sauce. I hope we can be even Stevens on that. Finally, the Phil Knight Invitational on the bottom half of the bracket Villanova's in. UConn. Kind of a slow start, but once they got once they got going, they were just a train that could not be stopped. And, I mean, again, it's in Portland in front of Phil Knight, the founder of Nike, who makes just, I would assume, just a fuck ton of money. But the 20th ranked Huskies taking on 
the school that Phil Knight has a has a court. You know, Phil like Phil Knight basically owns the University of Oregon and their athletic department. Basically. But with him in attendance, the Huskies shit on Oregon. They went duck hunting. And they went 83-59, a dominant night. Husky fans, I saw you on Twitter. They're saying that this was the Tristan Newton game. Y'all got a point. 23 points, 4 boards, 6 assists, 7 of 10 from the floor, just red hot from 3 of 5 for 6. Jordan Hawkins had a pretty good night too. 6 of 16 from the floor, 5 of 14 from deep. Adama Sanogo, I mean, he had a quiet night. 12.6 boards, 5 of 7 from the floor, but 2 for 2 from deep. Well, I'll give him credit. He's not taking a lot of threes, but the threes he's taking, he's making them. Efficiency matters. And I think Adama knows his limits. You know, he takes threes when they're given to him, and he knows they're when they're in range, his range. So he takes them, he makes them. That's really all I can ask for, really. Alex Caravan with six points, two for four from behind the arc, and three rebounds. Naheem Aline in 13 minutes only had four points. But off the bench, I mean, you had a bunch of guys that played minutes off the bench. Like Andre Jackson played 24 minutes, didn't score. Hassan Diara played 11 minutes and didn't score. But in 20 minutes, Joey Calcaterra had 11 points and four assists, four or five from the floor, three for four from deep. And Donovan Klingon in 19 minutes, 9 points, 8 boards, 4 of 10 from the floor. I saw some things saying like Donovan Klingon is no business being out there and that like he's not ready for an opponent like this. I mean, 4 block shots. That's, that's why he's out there. As for the Ducks, leading the way off the bench, 18 points from... Kalel Ware, the seven-foot freshman from Little Rock, Arkansas, six of ten from the fl- six of eight from the floor. Excuse me, two for three from deep, nine rebounds, off the bench in twenty-six minutes. Top scorer from the starting lineup was Infale Dante, fifteen points, six of ten from the floor. I still remember when they were trying to just make him eligible, like his freshman year back in 2019-20, which was a shit show, but whatever. At least he, you know, he's more of like more of the guy on on Oregon than he was in any of his previous years. Will Richardson at nine points, three of nine from the floor, one of three from deep, eight points for Rivaldo Soares, who is two for five from deep, just two for ten from the field. Quincy Garrier, the Syracuse transfer, with five points, and he did foul out, playing only fifteen minutes. Their center, Nate Biddle, was held scoreless in 23 minutes. Then they got two points each off the bench from Tyrone Williams and Brady Paris. I mean, UConn, with a program record, 17 threes in this one on 37 attempts, right around 46%, 30 for 63 from the floor, 47.6%. They also hold Oregon to just 33% from three at 5 for 15 42.6% from the field at 20 for 47. UConn also blocked seven shots and forced 17 Oregon turnovers. So the Huskies out of the semifinals where they're, as I'm going to get to it, they are going to meet 
Number 18, Alabama, who's a one-point favorite after beating Michigan State. So, let's take a look at what's happening today. By the way, I already went over Texas A&M DePaul. I think back in Chicago, I think DePaul's going to feel a lot better being at home again after losing back-to-back games in the Bahamas against Santa Clara and Oklahoma State. I mean, by the way, tickets are as low as $3. So if you're in Chicago, spend 3 bucks and see our overlords, DePaul. Please do. And by the way, A&M's favored by four. Bet against the Aggies. Please. I beg of you. Now, back to the Phil Knight. Three Eastern, ESPN2, Villanova taking on Portland. I think Villanova, they have to bounce back. I think they do. Villanova's a seven-point favorite. But don't be surprised if Portland gives them some trouble because they took number one North Carolina to the limit yesterday. And in the final four and a half minutes, they got outscored 16-6. to six. So they were up two with 270 seconds to go. And North Carolina just outwilled them to win the game. Or just impose their will on them with the talent they have as the number one team in the country with Baycott and Nance, you name it. But Villanova, yeah, I think they'll bounce back and beat Portland today. 3.30 Eastern ESPN2, Xavier taking on Duke. Duke, by the way, barely got by Oregon State, who, they're not great. They're not good. I mean, they lost to Portland State at home. And I, I wouldn't be shocked if they end up meeting one more time at, in the seventh place game of this tournament. You know what? Oregon State might be Florida today for all I know. I think they will. I think Oregon State beats Florida. Given how they played against Duke and how it's in Oregon, granted Corvallis is farther from Portland than, like, let's just say Oregon is coming from Eugene. But Duke's favored by four and a half. Xavier, I know how much this means to their fans. 2004 Elite Eight, they blow it against a really good Duke team. J.J. Redick was just a sophomore back then. I mean, Sheldon Williams, Chris Duhon. List goes on and on for who was on that Duke team. The only one seed back in 2004 that made it to the Final Four. Xavier was a seven seed back then. Xavier wants revenge. You know what? I know I picked as in the broad bracket pick. I was going to have Duke beating him. You know what? On a whim. You know what? Fuck it. Xavier upsets Duke today. You heard it here. Xavier is beating Duke today. Here on the Igloo. You heard it here first. 3.30 Eastern ESPN. Now, other games going on. I mean, you got some late ones. I mean, 8 o'clock's not late. 8 Eastern, ESPN 2. St. Hall's favored by 2.5 against Oklahoma. Oklahoma's only loss was in their opener at the Horn against Sam Houston State. 
This Oklahoma team is just not good offensively. I hope Shaheen Holloway is looking at the game field and saying, on offense, these guys suck. Press them, force them into turnovers, and you're going to win. On the glass, though, they can't let Tanner Groves just bully them down low. And Groves being an Eastern Washington transfer. I came in last year uh, from the Eagles. By the way, another bullshit BPI thing. Oklahoma's favorite 61%. That's a bunch of bullshit. By the way, I think Xavier wins by two. Villanova, I got them winning by... Again, I'm not shocked if Portland's going to put up a fight. I think Nova wins by three. Because they just like making things things interesting, I guess. Whether it be winning games or losing games. But in this game, I got Seton Hall winning by six. They're going to have to play a heck of a lot better in this game. Oklahoma's defense, I mean, their offense stinks. But their defense is pretty good. And listen, they beat Nebraska by 13, but like that's not saying much, so... Again, I hate the fact that I have to root against Jim Rossi and that I'm picking against him. And to quote Jim Ross, with how the style of play that these teams, I think, have in common, it's going to be a good old-fashioned slobber knocker, King. But Pirates win by six. 9.30 Eastern on ESPN. Phil Knight Invitational Semis. Number 20, UConn. Number 18, Alabama. My God, this is going to be a shootout. But Alabama's going to try their darndest to make it a shootout. By the way, Bama's 64% favorite in the BPI. They're one-point favorites according to Vegas. Like, like bull fucking shit. Whatever. You know what? The Horny Big East had a pretty good day yesterday with the exception of Villanova. On the men's side. You know what? The Big East is going to stay horny. Give me UConn upsetting Alabama. I got them winning by six. And I think both, I think it's going to be one of those games you're going to have both teams like in the 70s. Um, so I got UConn winning and going to the championship game where I think they'll they're gonna draw North Carolina on Sunday. Now, in the fifth place game in Atlantis, 10 Eastern and ESPN2. Hope you're up for that one. Butler, NC State in the Manny Bates Bowl. Or even you know what? The Tyler Lewis Bowl. Shout out to Ty Lu. Uh um, it's crazy again, the, the friendship that we have over the fact that I roasted him with a sign. He still got the sign at his parents' home in North Carolina. He said it on season one. Uh, Tyler Lewis, I hope you hear this. I hope you're doing well, and I hope that you're you're not feeling too conflicted about this game. It's it's okay to have double allegiance, you know. But Butler's four and two, NC State five and one. Their only loss was a game in which they took Kansas to the limit in the opening round of the battle for Atlantis, but they, they're coming off a win against Dayton. You know, the way I see it, NC State's a one-point favor, by the way, so something to bear in mind. Uh, 
I don't think there's addy, really any added incentive for Manny Bates to like, you know, try to get revenge against the school that he transferred from. I, I don't think that when it comes to stuff like this, I really don't think that there's really any malice anymore. By the way, this game is going to have to follow the final of this tournament, which features Tennessee, who throttled Butler, and Kansas. And by the way, Tennessee's favored by a point and a half. So... The way I kind of see things is... While I respect NC State, they have a good roster. You know, Jarkel Joyner is averaging nearly 19 points a game. And, you know, some of the other guys I'm looking at, I mean, Terquavion Smith is averaging nearly 18 a game. Casey Morsell, curious if there's any relation to Daryl. He's averaging nearly 15 a game, and then Jack Clark's averaging 10 and a half. So their offense is pretty good, averaging nearly 84 points a game. They even hung 74 on Kansas before dropping, you know, winning by a dozen against Dayton. But you know what? I think Thad Mata, I think his team had a piece of humble pie. Against Tennessee on Wednesday. Like, I think that's fair to say. You know, that again, that's just my prerogative here. So, actually, what I'm thinking is, I think, by the way, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to pick Tennessee beating Kansas in the final because Kansas has struggled in their first two games in this tournament, by the way. I know I'm going on a tangent, but Seton Hall plays them Thursday. I, I need to talk about them. And for Ryan Patty, I hope you're listening. I mean, they, they beat Wisconsin in overtime in a, in a thriller on Thanksgiving. And they barely got by NC State by six. Tennessee's been playing better in this tournament. By the way, I think Wisconsin beats USC. And in the fifth place game, and seventh place game, rather, like BYU is going to be Dayton. Dayton looks like shit now. But I think NC State ends up winning. It's going to be, uh, again, it's a one point spread. So the, the worst NC State can do is get a push if they win. But NC State covers, I think they win by five in that fifth place game in the Bahamas. So those are my picks. So what I'm going to do on the next episode is there's a bunch of non-conference games that, again, aren't part of Feast Week. You know, teams that already have played their Feast Week tournaments, they're going to be playing home games on Saturday. Uh, so I'll make my preview and predictions for those. And I'll talk more about the women's games that have been happening, which, you know, like I mentioned, DePaul was up on number 14 Maryland down at, down at Fort Myers at halftime. So maybe I'll be talking about a potential upset tomorrow. Well, guess we'll have to wait and see. Thanks for tuning in once again. Enjoy your Black Friday. 
don't punch and kick people. If you have gone for Black Friday deals, I hope you haven't physically like punched or kicked anyone. It's not worth it. Just go get your damn stuff and, and leave. All right? Have a safe Black Friday. I'll catch you tomorrow right here on the Igloo.